Welcome to the Stories Are Soul Food podcast, presented by Cannonball Books, the kids' fiction imprint of Cannon Press. Met a ghost of a king on the road when I first fell. Fire burning to my knees, to my knees I fell. Met a ghost of a king on the road. Yeah. Sass what? What's the... Well, I haven't checked the numbers till we get to 90. <laughs> How do you know <laughs> to wait and to check? <laughs> I have <Yeah>. this sense. <laughs> I think this is 86, but I could be wrong. Okay. Okay. Well, no, you know, let me check, not product placement, but let me check Canon Plus because it's right at the top. I'm sorry. This is 84. Mm. Okay. That's disappointing. Mm-hmm. Not quite 90. Octo quattro, as the French say. Um, I, oh, I've learned long ago not to correct your language. <laughs> <laughs> so six Semper Draconis, we let it go. Yeah, no, we we talked about this. We did. We did. We, <laughs> we, we've been down that road. Yeah, it's correct. It's correct, but you know, it's correct. It's correct. <laughs> um, it's as intended. Draconip is just stupid. Yeah. Um, well, I had a couple, two, two pieces of Hollywood advice or gossip I wanted to oh, figure good. if you had This a... is now a gossip podcast before we dive into the actual podcast. <laughs> These are about movies though, so okay. <laughs> not, not something so boring as celebrities. First question, did you see they canceled Bat... Batgirl or whatever it was, Batwoman, $90 million in. Yeah, the one they didn't even, yeah. But it was almost done from what I heard. And so I was curious. Sometimes you got to take the L. <laughs> well, that that's what I was curious about. Because then at the same time, they also, Marvel, that was Warner, obviously. Marvel also released uh, She-Hulk, like the 30-minute 30, <laughs> 30 long She-Hulk, which is taking an L, right? Because that's, yep. mo- that's not a movie. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah. so bad they literally cut it in thirds and released a third of it <laughs> I, I honestly with that one i'm not sure what happened um i really like i have enjoyed showing my kids some of uh screen rants uh studio pitch meetings yeah yeah and they're just great <laughs> well not always but frequently great and capture the real tone of it all but uh yeah there's the actual pitch meeting. when they're they're the pitch for whatever it is uh 10 rings you know the, the big asian marvel franchise starter they're trying oh yeah uh what is it what's it actually called the legend of the 10 rings like i don't remember rings being in the title but that could be because rings of power is no it's ring. 10 it's 10 rings but it's like <laughs> shang chi and the, the legend of the whatever um the pitch meaning for that one's amazing and uh yeah just constantly adding characters the, the, yeah the, the the guy pitching no says, purpose we decided that marvel should finally you know has never done any kung fu has never done any martial arts or kung fu you know except for that show you did and the studio executive just said no we didn't like iron fists like we never did that <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh yes sir you you did that show does exist it's like no it doesn't <laughs> just like this and, it has memory hold and, it's, and that's she hulk she hulk is like yeah no nah, that di- actually didn't do that that didn't happen nobody did, nobody in this building did that no one was involved with that you no. read the credits and it's all fake, <laughs> yeah, fake it's names it's just pseudonyms <laughs> no one made that this this did not occur this did not happen i watched the actress i would say the poor actress i wa- but I think she did this on purpose, but she was defending. She said she took the role because it was a real compelling character (laughs) (laughs) as it's like a green angry woman talking about how much anger she has to. So with that one, 
I guess, especially combined with Warner, those are two different approaches then, I guess. Uh, yeah, those are two different approaches to taking the L. This is actually, I don't know what you want to talk about today, but I'm going to at least oh, throw this out. No out country there. for old men is what oh, we're yeah, heading okay, towards. Oh, yeah, okay, good. Yeah. That, this is a good one to talk about. But um, something that you see happen is like people create incentives and the, the world is incentivized. Uh, people in success and in powerful positions are constantly incentivized to seek mediocrity. Like to to settle, it's like to like move towards minimum viable product. To wouldn't they want greatness though? Oh, they think they do, uh, but very very few people really do, and they are a pain in the hindquarters to be around for other people. And so, um, okay, so- you know, it's like they, you get to a certain level where you're like, oh, I'm in, I'm in at this level. Um, you think about uh, let's talk, let's talk about football. Real quick, Kyler Murray, I think it was, uh, signed this massive quarter billion dollar contract. In that contract, it specified that he is out of compliance if he doesn't watch four hours of game film a week. Yeah. Quarter billion dollar contract. So he would spend more time on his phone than that just yep way more than just and regularly guys from a previous generation were just in shock and some guys even in his own generation who are fighting for you know really striving for a, a kind of greatness were in shock because they are watching four hours of game film a day right and he as the franchise quarterback as the leader of this franchise is they have to put this in these contracts are public and so everybody knows like oh gosh this is maybe this is what's that's like, what's expected this, this is, is what's stalling his development is he's refusing to watch four hours a, a week as a professional quarterback being paid this much money he's refusing mm-hmm. to put the work in and it had to specify that he had to watch the film that they gave him to watch that other people could not watch it for him and that he could not be playing video games while it played on a tablet. <laughs> and so sad. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, okay, so he is a freak athlete. He's a, he's amazing. Yeah, so and he, fast. And he, and he had to work. And he had to work very hard to get to where he is. Like he had to work to get to that. Having gotten there, like having now like grabbed the brass ring, uh, where where are all the pressures coming from? Where like, where's the desire come from? What does all the momentum do? It's like, is, is the momentum push you towards greatness, further greatness? Once you have nine figures in the bank, like, are you incentivized towards further suffering? <laughs> like, yeah, just, you know, to put yourself through further suffering or are you incentivized to like sit, become sedentary, coast, you know, like, yeah. and, and so on. And those people who are true animals, so jump over to the last dance. And, and I, I do actually think that um, obviously it's not for everybody, but there are, there are um, filtered versions. There are edited versions, you know, the, the salty language of that documentary out. And it is very worth watching. Like the last that, dance. That's such an interesting character and study. Yep. And it is, a, it is an ama- everything about humanity is in that series yeah so the last dance has every kind of human character in it if you're a novelist and need help with humanity the last dance is probably the place to go (laughs) and so the thing that was great about jordan 
really profoundly great is that he had the lotto ticket of athleticism and ability and opportunity. And then once he had the opportunity, he actually struggled and suffered and pushed and like really ground to get to that next rarefied level yeah. um, to, to strive for excellence. And people just don't do that. Um, it doesn't so, make him likable either. It makes him, uh, you have tons of admiration and liking yeah. through that way, but you can see how he would have been. Yeah. And one of my favorite montages. Person. Yeah. One of my favorite montages in the last dance is when one of his teammates says, you know, it's no, he couldn't be nice. And, um, he wasn't nice to be around and yeah. they go to Mike and ask him like, did you have to sacrifice a reputation as a nice guy? And, and he kind of, uh, I think speaks beautifully about it. Um, and as a character just says, basically ask any of them, if I asked them to do something I didn't do myself, like, yep. did I not do it myself first? And they all said they wanted to be winners. Every one of them said they wanted this and then wouldn't do it. They wouldn't reach for it. And as a coach, as I've worked with a ton of writers, I've worked, worked with a ton of aspiring filmmakers. I have coached high school track athletes. I've coached basketball players. Mm -hmm. that, is the, that is the natural state of ambition. The natural state of human ambition is to feel the emotional, uh, the emotional peace that is desire, but fail to motivate the actual effort that, that it takes to get there. Mm. To put those two things together, it's easy for all of us to ache. It's easy for anybody to ache and wish and want. And characters in movies, characters in films um, are overly sympathetic. They, they get set up and are overly sympathetic in this particular situation that they, they yearn or they want. Um, and then storytellers drift really quickly into they believe in themselves. And then they, they worked hard because they believed in themselves. Um, and that's just bogus. That's just not how this. It's not how it's not, uh, it's not success how this works. Or uh, yeah, achieving how, at the, no. from the level of mediocrity to. Yep. Or once you've, you're saying once you've arrived. At any, certain, at any level. Okay. So once you've arrived at the level that you were, uh, have achieved a measure of comfort. So when you are in a state of discomfort, and as soon as you achieve a, a level of comfort, some level of comfort, having the drive to like, yeah. to jeopardize that and to not just jeopardize that position, but to then burn your comfort. So it's, yeah. it's not just that you jeopardize your position there because that, that's now at risk if you're, if you're pushing harder, but you actually did like light your, your physical comfort on fire in striving for, for more. And so like you look at the old Testament, you look at the Jews in the wilderness and that's another, you know, perfect character study. And everybody thinks that they would not have done that. You know, that they would not have complained where the Jews complained. They would not have, uh, been that way. And the, the simple truth is, yeah, you would have every, like, this is the human situation. Yeah. Um, the instant there's a little discomfort, we whine and complain and desire but we rarely want to do the hard thing that would address it. Yeah. The instant that that discomfort is removed via grace, providence, uh, anything else, we immediately take it for granted, assume that we deserve it. Yeah. And then, well, I was, uh, and then are entitled, become entitled. And I was just reminded of we're reading, <laughs> still reading through Joshua. 
<laughs> but uh, uh, how old he was uh, heading into the promised land. Yeah. And how he's so impressive, you know, because he was a, a grown adult when they headed yeah. in, then headed back to the wilderness for 40 years, then came in and then had yep. all those conquests and screwed up one time with the the that clever gibeonite plan oops and and that's yeah. the one time he did but all the other times he's just relentless hey don't be afraid be strong and courageous we can do this i just i was just i just thought there's other old guys in the old testament who would have just quit yeah you know, and who had a lot more mistakes yeah eli yep. comes immediately to mind you know just yeah. someone with the same position the same gift and not that relentless drive yeah it's yeah and so you 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 have joshua shows up and you have been along for the ride in the wilderness, which has not been an easy ride. Literally everyone your age has died off, yep. except Caleb. They've been killed off by God. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's giant time. Yep. <laughs> it's like, oh boy. Yeah. Like, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a certain, it's just, it's crazy. It's all, it's all the way crazy. This is, this is the, uh, the escalation. We were and, excited to find that one paragraph where it says, and they took out all the Anakim. And, yeah. You know, there's just one paragraph where this was the giant campaign and they got yeah. five giant cities. The only places left are the place of Goliath. Giant <laughs> cities. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's cities. Yeah. Um, it's wild. And so you have uh, the way God tells stories is he always tells them on a rising, a, a rising scale of difficulty. Characters are always faced with a rising scale of difficulty and this is the case with our with us in our own lives and so you're a single guy and you struggle with single guy issues and then you find the girl and you've got to win the girl and then having won the girl you have to actually lay down your life for the girl and then the girl is pregnant and you're having a baby and now it's like oh wow there's a little soul that you're now going to answer to god for yeah. And you got to lay your life down for this little soul too. And you're going to just grind and grind and grind. And then that little guy's, you know, hits toddler years and it's hilarious. And there's massive blessing along the way, but there's now let's make it harder. Like now let's make it harder. Now let's actually stretch your faith farther and farther and farther. And yeah, now he wants to join the Navy and you just have to trust God. <laughs> <laughs> like there he goes. And now he's making choices about who he's going to marry. And you just have to trust God and trust God for those little kids. Yeah. And you actually now don't even have a hand in like raising it. Then, oh, you're going to fall apart and you're going to just decay like on, on the move, just kind of like decay and, and start to lose your, your memory and your knees and, and everything else. And like, and as, and as you, uh, decay and as you march towards the grave you like your faith is strained even more like you have to actually as you approach the grave you're letting go of all these things all these things at first it's hard because god's putting so much in your hands like and before that it's hard because he's put nothing in your hands and then it's hard because he's put so much in your hands and then it's hard because he's taking it all out of your hands mm. and then it's like and at every phase it's like are you trusting him are you walking by faith it's almost um, like we segue directly into no country for old yeah, men. Yeah. <laughs> Just Which right is there. actually uh, a and this we can segue in multiple ways because um MJ strove and strove and strove to like get there. And he did because he had a big hole in his soul and father hunger and 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 other things. But he was it was never like it was never enough. You cannot coast, you cannot 
yeah. uh, squander well, the opportunities. You have to yeah. you have to really be present in the moment and know that it's slipping through your fingers and you're already out of time and go now, do it now. Um, but then you you jump over to a piece of art like No Country and you look at Christian art, Christian storytelling, and you look at how often people love to modify and adjust their goals into success, you know, or into that, that comfort where it's like, it's okay that it kind of sucked. You know, it's like, it's okay that it kind of sucked now um, because it had a good message or, yeah. you know, fill in the blank and how many filmmakers are just kind of like move on studios are like, you know, will we make more money if we make it better? And if you look at the incentive on streaming platforms, you understand the answer is no. They won't make more money if they make it better. So they're they're finding the sweet spot of like of failure, where this is good enough to keep people watching and paying a subscription, but not so good that it costs us more time and money. Yeah. Um, Well, then another anecdote, exactly what you're saying about the level is that the poker, you know, MJ would play thousand dollar blind poker when that game broke up on the bus to places, yeah. he'd go up to the front of the bus where the guys were playing one or $2 yep. blind, and he wanted to win that one just yeah. as much. Yeah, he was playing penny poker. He's yeah. playing, yeah. And to him, it was the same. It was whether he won or not. Not, yep. not, yep. <laughs> not what he won. It's just <laughs> yes. the pure fact of having there, conquered. <laughs> there, must, there must be conquest. There must be games yeah. and, and so on. So we, you're, you're saying the human temptation is not to want that. It's to settle. It's to yeah. arrive or uh, it's to avoid the hardship, I guess. Yeah. Take it's, the easy it's, road. It's to like to not jeopardize your comfort having arrived at a certain place. So if you made it to the major leagues to just try to hang on to your like hang on to your contract, prolong the save sock away money, try to be smart, be comfortable. But if you get to a level where it's like, man, the the risk, you're you're a franchise quarterback. Should you play it safe and just try to prolong your career or do you try to win? Like, do you take risks with your body? Do you actually like really get after it? The Kirk Cousins approach versus, yeah, versus, uh, well, I don't know. What's another quarterback who's <laughs> gone for it? Maybe Cam Newton in his early years, you yeah, know, like yeah. I'm going to put my body on the line. Yep. Yeah. Or even Peyton Manning, like playing yeah. after neck surgeries. And that's true. Like, it's like, woo, like this is, he couldn't even throw. You know, he won his last Super Bowl. You know, my my twelve year old could throw a football farther down, than yeah, he could. <laughs> checking checking down on yeah, every, no, every he was playing. Play. With, he was playing with his brain. You yeah. know, that was that was it. But it is. You also look at when people strive for excellence and they start looking a little more like Joshua. They look a little a little more like David. Uh, they start looking a little more like um, some of the characters we know that God really loved, and they can be motivated entirely incorrectly. Um, but we know God loves that. God loves it when people say, let's make it better. Let's make it better. Let's make it better. Let's, let's push. We can do better. We can do better. We can do better. And uh, perfectionism that's insufferable and hard to be around uh, usually is actually just using the wrong ruler of perfection. They're willing for imperfection to exist in relationships you know, like radical okay. imperfection in relationships, but they're not willing for imperfection to exist on like how the table's set. So gotcha. a, a mom is willing to snap on her daughter and, you know, just like she's, she's willing to, you know, be really short tempered. Um, but she's not willing to have the knife crooked by the plate. That's not perfectionism. 
That's that's imperfectionism. Like she's not holding herself and her own attitude and her own emotions to the same standard that she's trying to hold uh, the you know the play setting to. Yeah. So it's like it's great. I have no problem at all trying to hold the play settings and all those things to a really high standard, as long as you're actually holding yourself and so your behavior and your tone the and your relationships the to the same standard. Okay. So if you are holding your own behavior, your own tone, your own kindness, you know, the fruits of the spirit, if you hold your pursuit of God and the fruits of the spirit, if you're holding that quest to the same standard that you're holding, you know, the way you want the lawn mode, you know, the way you want the laundry done, the way you want the bedrooms picked up or the way you want your kids to make their beds. If you, if those are like equivalent, then that's great. So you talk in theory of constraints basically here, like you get to pick the time, money and the people yeah, and you get to pick two out of those three sort of kind of, I mean, it's a little bit like, does that. that mean you have to compromise yeah. <laughs> sometimes? Yep. Yeah. And so, and where you should compromise, we all know immediately which one you should compromise on. Yeah. The so money. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so in the, um, in the situation where you are looking at your kid, having been inadequate, your kid can't quite make her bed. You know, your, your son still isn't picking up his clothes off the floor. Um, and you think, okay, here's imperfection. I'm not okay with this. It's like, well, how you handle this, you can create more imperfection and you're going to create more lasting imperfection and a far more significant imperfection in your own behavior as a character and how you handle them. And in this relationship in their early chapters as a character in their own novel. So, Gotcha. It's like, if you say, Hey kiddo, like these, you know, laundry's got to come up and it's, and it's all warmth and it's all affection and they're feeling loved and, and you're helping hold them to a higher standard. But if you're just like Timothy, <laughs> pick up these undies, Timothy, you little tick of a human. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, they might've left their laundry on the floor, but you just, you just relieved yourself on the carpet. You know, it's like, it's, yeah. it's a far bigger imperfection. Like you just, gotcha. you just screwed up. And so when you see people pursuing excellence and they pursue it in a broken way and Michael Jordan did that. So it's like he, he was really pursuing perfection, but he was not pursuing it. You know, he broke other things, but he did have a point. And so when he says that they said they wanted to be winners and I wanted that for them, like, and I knew, I know what it takes. And so I held them to that standard, but I held them to the standard I held myself to. And it turns out all these NBA guys, all these multimillionaires who all said they wanted to be winners, didn't want it that much. <laughs> like they didn't like yeah. not that much. And then they have a whole montage showing all of his teammates holding trophies, holding the trophies and celebrating as he's talking about how he wanted that for them. Yeah. This is what I wanted for them. They, I wanted what they said they wanted. And I just demanded that they do what it took and what I demanded of myself. And isn't that the nice thing to do? Isn't that nice? Like, isn't that kind? You know, isn't that the, the golden rule for sure? Yeah. I mean, and so it is, there's truth there. There's wisdom there. Now there's also, you know, he has other issues, but when you move over to film and story and other places, I cannot tell you how often, um, Kids will tell me that what their favorite books are. Parents will tell me what their favorite family reads are and they're trash. You know, it's like they, they have some thing that they just really, really love. And it doesn't like, okay, 
Like, great. And I just say, yay and high five them. I don't feel like I have to chase that because the fact that they have this family culture of having shared a meal together and loving having shared a meal together, I don't have to like get down in their face and say, you know, that's hamburger helper and there's much better cuisine out there. <laughs> like it's <laughs> cuisines. Yeah. yeah it's <clears throat> like, I don't, I don't need to do that. It's like, because the, the better thing is like the thing in the real world, this experience that they actually are sharing, the fact that they're breaking bread together. So I think most, in their imaginations, most probably the writers out there, the creators are listening and thinking, don't you have to be done at some point? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. But, but, but you're just saying we always want to be done before we've actually put the final polish on. Or no, always. So yeah. that's not the danger. That's not the ditch we're falling into. Yep. And then we also, the other thing is from the creator side, we always want the fault for less success. Um, we, want, we want euphemisms and we want the fault for less success than we desired for our storytelling or for our creations to lie in the viewer or the reader or somewhere else. Oh yeah, or the marketing. It's, yeah, I and, mean, it, with, and that, yeah. the thing is there's, frequ there's frequently, there's that's enough true. Yeah, there's blame that's to go true. around. It's yeah. often the case that somebody else screwed up, but there's also plenty of, plenty of ways we could have made it better. And so with No Country for Old Men, which is one of my favorite films. Um, yeah, we have to get There's it. not a lot, there's not a lot that could be better. Oh, wow. Uh, there's, there's not much about No Country. Okay, let's get into that. Yeah. Because isn't it evil? <laughs> <laughs> isn't the movie evil? <laughs> evil. Evil, so evil well, is I guess, pronounced. I guess that's the big question is, is, is. To reference another great work of art, so evil it's pronounced evil. It's in <laughs> Freewitz of the Devil. <laughs> uh, Mike Myers. Yeah. yeah. Another, you know, yep. another one. So another perfect. really funny movie that needs a filter. Just one filter, really. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, anyways, No Country for Old Men. Yeah. What's so perfect about it? It's not perfect. Um, Humanly perfect. But it's great. It is, a, it is a great work of art. So setting it up there, it's, you know, it's a movie with, well, I guess we just got to spoil it. You need to pause. Oh it. yeah. No, we're going to, we're going to spoil it. There are two significant imperfections. One more so than the other. Um, one is uh, a lot of people think that there's nihilism in the final scene. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's where there, I don't think that's where there's nihilism. Okay. Um, I think that's where we see justice and we see providence. Um, okay. That's big. We can't get there yet. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I guess heading in with Brolin, which by the way, I found out Heath Ledger was supposed to originally play that part, which is really interesting. Heath Ledger would have also done well, but Brolin's better. It does seem like I have a hard time seeing Heath Ledger in there, but you would have done okay. Yeah, interesting. Yep. So Brolin, you know, idealistic. If Brolin hadn't played that part, we wouldn't have been persecuted with the show Outer Range many years later. <laughs> Okay. All which right. There's some damage of, downstream. Which is one of the worst steaming morning gifts that's ever come along on the on the campsite. Um, <laughs> don't watch it on Amazon. So bad. But Brolin, the cowboy character, was invented by the right, country for old men. It's, it's not like the only Western character he played, but it's so strong. Yeah. I mean, what I mean, I'm trying to think his as a character. It seems like his idealism in a totally unidealistic, bleak place. Or his desire to succeed. I'm, what is it that makes Brolin? What is he? What is it? What is he? Is he? Is he everything young in that in that No Country for Old Men? Uh, so 
there's i could i could back up and say this is one of the things that smart people do and maybe i'm over complimenting ourselves but <laughs> one of the things that smart people do when they watch movies is they over project meaning <laughs> on, on things <laughs> I can't and, stop analyzing. Yes, I have to assign them. Well, just be glad I haven't referenced the poetry in Yates yet. I've yeah, been yeah, saving yeah, yeah. that for myself. <laughs> so, so I could say that I can say that this is what I see here. I am not trying to say that this is what I'm not, I'm not trying to make an objective claim that this is in fact what's happening with Brolin's character. Okay. Um, I'm not confident enough to know, to know that for sure. But what I think and what I see here is that Brolin, um, Brolin is kind of an innocent, romanticized form of good old boy evil. Hmm. And so the monologues you see from Tommy Lee Jones, and I, I this is how I, I watch the film, and I, I believe this is how it's intended, but the intentions ultimately don't matter. What matters is what's on screen and, and is, it, is it there? So Tommy Lee Jones is talking about how dark it's gotten, how evil it's gotten, how bad it's gotten, you know, how bleak it's gotten. It's like it's turned a corner and he has a romanticized false view of the way evil used to be. And, yeah. it's, and he's not talking, it's not a story about uh, goodness, man, man used to be good. It's the way evil used to be. Evil has gotten darker. Hmm. In my day, in my childhood, evil was, you know, what? And America really does have a, a history of like, like, a like a girl's first boyfriend, you know, who, who was, troubled and but man boy we all liked him oh uh, we we have a history of really fawning all over outlaws and really loving outlaws mm -hmm. and the wild west and bank robbers and yeah and, jesse james is a yeah. hero i mean yeah so we but we don't look closely at it yeah. you know it's like it's this euphemistic overly romanticized good old boy gun pulling western evil yeah. Back when you could just rob a train or a stage and, you know, still be kind of like a sweetheart. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, mm. and the, the film hell or high water explores this too, where it's like, Hey, let's rob banks and we're going to do this thing and we're going to be gonna doing it for the right. And reason. we're going to do all this stuff. And you know what? People are going to end up dead. It's still actually just, it turns into a very real evil anyway. So that, that film explores the same theme that no country for old men does but just from a different angle and different discussion so tommy lee jones's character has a thesis he has something up for debate and it's evil ain't what it used to be mm -hmm. like he's nostalgic for a different kind of evil um when and the, so in the new world we've got you know he's sick of drugs and drug running yeah. and all that and then of course he gets yeah, gnarly. Yeah, he gets, yeah, he gets this gnarly character, but and he's so he's looking at this new kind of evil, and he's just thinking, "This is no country for old men." I have to tap out. Like I am from a different time when evil was folksy and yeah. you know more John Wayne ish, more mustache and cape. Yeah, you it was a little you know, but really a little more like sparkling grin. 
Okay. You know, a little, a little debonair, more. It's a bit debonair. Yeah, a little more, you know, kiss the waitress. A little, you know, like, hmm. um, if that makes sense. You know, so it's, it's not drug running guys you don't know who murder each other in the desert. It's, it's just, hard bitten, but lovable. Mm. You know, it's like Josh Brolin. Okay. And so you have Josh Brolin's character goes up against this new evil. You have this folksy, romanticized, a guy catechized and he's, and he's tough. He's out hunting and he's a tough old, I mean, he's, he's a legit cowboy. Right. And he's a, but he makes a choice to cross a line. He comes on a murder scene. He comes on this big, you know, this, this big shootout scene and he decides to steal the money. Yeah. And so he goes across, he crosses the line, but he crosses the line in kind of this way that we, nobody really judges him. It's like, oh, we all root for him. It's all the, you're like, well, it is a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so, and they're all dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. But even, even like his, the way he talks sexually to his wife, the way all the, all these things he does are in this, like, man, he's this wooden kind of, um, solid oak character sort of a hero yeah yeah he's this solid oak guy he's the way men ought to be and even though he's in a mobile home and he's hard he's hard to relate to and he's not a motive but he's a type he's a western type hmm. so josh brolin shows up as a western type from the from the imagination of america and americans and he is the way evil used to be you know just a lovable but tough as hell you know just right and we um, like it yeah we're like man we kind of like this guy he's a yeah. man he's tough but then you know sugar is also tough but just nihilistically dark and bleak and pointless and terrifying terrifying i mean even his weapon is non-traditional with the stun, yeah. stun pistol or whatever he's, that is but he's it's he's executing me it's a cat it's something you kill cattle with he's executing people like cattle yeah so he's kind of he's showing up and he's killing people like they're cows and they stand there still stunned like cows and he just puts it to their foreheads and, and is killing them um he is this force of darkness and he's the new evil that tommy lee jones is so afraid of and he's the one that josh brolin took the money from so he's the one the the, the new evil that josh brolin has crossed and so i think yeah. josh brolin represents um this old type the type that we forgive, the type we kind of love, somebody who crosses the edge of the law and makes America love him. And it's like there's this, uh, then there's this new evil coming across the border in the South, which is drug evil, cartel evil, highly funded evil, our vices having consumed us evil. Now, Tommy Lee Jones, when he goes and, and talks to a character in the wheelchair and the guy, the guy is like, listen, dude, it's always been this. There's always been psychopaths. Then he tells the story about, you know, guy, you know, in their own family getting gunned down a hundred years ago, which is, you know, just, just like slaughter has always been there. It's never, the romantic ideal has never been real. So he's, he's arguing that Tommy Lee Jones is deluded. It's yeah. always been, yeah, it's always been this dark. It just is, um, it's never been a country for old men. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so that's the, that's the debate. And so Brolin, um, almost the, succeeds, almost succeeds with the one place. I think nihilism creeps through in the film, um, is when is Brolin's death. 
Okay. Where it just happens like casually and off screen. And it's just like, oh, whatever. He's gone. So you think you don't mind. I mean, I was going to say it doesn't seem like he had to die. He didn't have to. Okay. Uh, he didn't have to because this is, it's a discussion. It's a debate. And so as you're playing out the debate between this older kind of evil and this new kind of I mean, evil. How do you say two, his name? Sugar? Sugar? Sugar. Sugar. Um, sugar is more fun to say. Just sugar. I think it's sugar. I, I know it starts with a C-H. It is not pronounced. Ch. So. Yeah, sugar. <laughs> sugar. Okay. Um, but it's um, basically, I think that what they took away from us was a glamorized shootout. Um, what they hmm. took away from us was the like the thing that has the okay corral scene. They took away the thing that has made that character romanticized. They took away the crowning. Yeah. He just, Oh, he died in a motel because his mother-in-law as an idiot, his wife didn't listen to him and told uh, her mom who told a well-dressed Mexican where he was and got her son-in-law killed. Um, and we weren't there. We didn't see it. We don't know how it went down. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's like, it's just. So that's the nihilism, you think? Yeah. Because they want you to stop caring. The nihilism or, or is just like, saying, oh, that guy, that guy we gave you this whole thread for, the guy we were following, the, one, the guy who's one thread in this major debate that we're having, this, this you know, this, uh, the topic um, that's been postulated before the house for debate by this particular work of art. And, oh yeah, he's, he's just face down. You know, it's like it's mm. um, over there. That just happened. You know, that just happened over there. Um, okay. That has nothing really to do with any of this. You know, just, just he's just kind of dismissively ended. Um, well, that totally matches with all the pretty horses. The same thing. Yeah. Of uh, John Grady, you know, yep. the other comic Cormac McCarthy book, one of my favorites, but the same sort of thing. He's off sort of being an outlaw in yeah. Mexico and then runs into a kid who actually stolen a horse. And that's when everything goes bad. Cause yeah. he, he thinks he can just sort of be his own yep. romanticized. He can be an character. idea. He can. Yeah. And then when it gets real, he, all he wants is to get out of it. Yep. You know, but he's still, but then of course Cormac has to pull out with, but there's still the beauty of these key moments in, in the story, you know? Yeah. And that's, I think how, uh, maybe probably what makes that so compelling, the art, the artistic aspect of yep. it. So I, I really like No Country for Old Men. I think that they should have really kind of given it a thought of how to better conclude their own thought process. Have the how the art could better conclude the debate between the two, the new evil, the old evil, the kind of romanticized. Can a romanticized good old boy made out of oak, can he actually successfully like escape? Can he grab money from true evil and true darkness and get away um, or not? And if not, then how do we close that loop? How do we close that loop in a more effective way? Mm. Um, and I actually, I understand what they're doing. I, I totally understand what they're doing when they have it happen off screen. Um, and I think there's a case to be made artistically for it. Well, it was so surprising. Yeah, exactly. It's so yeah. like, whoa. I mean, it really, it really does strike. You, I really thought he'd made it because it's this yeah. huge odyssey, you know, and yep. then he comes back home finally. And yeah. that's when. And so you, it really does have that kind of potent shock. So there's a, there's a case to be made for it, but I think its effect is more uh, just purely nihilistic. 
It yeah. makes it more meaningless. It makes the whole thing meaningless instead of an actual meaningful discussion, a meaningful struggle between the two things Tommy Lee Jones has talked about. It's just, it becomes a meaningless, you know, thing. And then we get to the end and we have Sugar, yeah. you know, in his end, you know, he's limping away broken. Um, and we aren't told what's going to happen um, to him, but we've been now been given the foreshadowing, which is just like God he's broken. God will take care of him. Like it's just he can be as tough as he wants. Like he can be as but tough. A car and wreck can happen. He can be as can brutal as he anywhere. wants. But yeah. there's like there's enough. Like death is coming. Yeah. Like death and destruction are coming for him. Even he's not immortal. Like it's. He's he's gonna die. He's going to be killed. He's going to end. Yeah, judgment's coming. Okay, so what do you think about the coin flip uh, at at the at the end? Do we? Is I the, think it's the it's the rebuke of Sugar's nihilistic worldview. He's not, you know the the woman is is telling him like you are the one choosing. Like, I you're won't still, choose. You're still the one choosing. It's not even chance. You're the one choosing. Okay. And she she is killed. But she is the one, she wins the argument. She's, she's pointing out that his concept of, of chance-based execution is, is flawed and fake. Because he's executing people. Yeah, he's still the one choosing. Yeah. It's still him doing it. It's not chance. It's him. Um, and, and so she gets that last word, followed by him being smacked by a car you know, mm -hmm. right outside. So I, I love the film. I think it's in, incredibly tense. I mean, it's so well made. It is so incredibly difficult to make a movie that tense with no score. If you go entirely, how does it not scoreless? I hate that I didn't notice that. So if you if you just <laughs> if you just pull, yeah, the smart guys. <laughs> yeah. So if you just say, hey, you know what? Let's let's tie a hand behind our back, shall we? And one foot too. And let's tell the story and let's take the tool that people use more than any other tool in this. Yeah, the tiny violin. Yeah, in this art form, the thing that is used as the cue to the viewer of like how they should be feeling. Like, should you be nervous? Should you be optimistic? Should, like, which way should we take the music? Um, and watching Lost, we're uh, chipping away at season one with my kids right now. And. Uh, my 12 year old asked a question of a scene. She's like, ah, oh, like what's like something, some question. And her sister said, the music says, <laughs> like, just, um, there you go. It's the laugh you know, track. It's, it's, it's the music says yeah. that this is which direction this is going. The music says this is like, we're going here. We're going there. Um, so to have scenes that are legitimately off the charts, stressful and to have a movie that, is full of brooding pressure that never feels slow. That is just like, it is a pressure cooker. This movie is a pressure cooker. And of a movie that's a pressure cooker, while cinematic, like beautifully shot with really strong performances and, and well-written script, but gorgeous cinematography. Yeah, and, that's the other thing, just the color of the yeah, film. Yeah, gorgeous cinematography incredibly shot brilliant performances and just a pressure cooker of a story and to do that without any musical cues of any kind uh, is really not a simple thing 
That mm-hmm. is that is not an easy thing to do. So, I mean, as somebody who, when you're cutting stuff together and you're looking at it and you're like, do you know what would really help? Like, we got to get we got to get some mood, some tone, something ambient, something in the background, even just elevator music, just anything uh, to help a scene and add that dimensionality to it. So the fact that they were able to do that is uh, is really impressive. It's one of my favorite films. Um, mm. And so while I can quibble and pick of things I'd, I'd love to see, I'd love to mess with the ending um, a little bit more. You want it to be clearer? Or do you think... I mean, we've got, I guess, we haven't talked about Tommy Lee Jones. He's just eating cereal while it all happens. I would love for him not to look at the bottom of his shoes when he walks out of the house. And um, for the sound of sirens after he's hit by the car to to just get, start elevating. Hmm. Um, That's what I want at the end. Those are two very small things. Do you think that that's a reference to what he thinks people are? Tommy Lee Jones, like looking at the bottom of a shoe for nothing of this, none of this matters. <laughs> no, Wiping I think stuff off. <laughs> no, it's not Tommy Lee. It's that sugar. Who's oh, sorry. The, yeah. So sugar is looking at the bottom of his shoes when he steps out of the house. And that's the, that's the cue that tells us he killed the woman. We haven't heard a gunshot. We haven't heard anything else. He looks at the bottom of his shoes, which implies that he's checking to see if there's blood on the bottom of his shoes mm. um, as he exits the house. I would rather. I was going to say, I thought it was unclear, but I see. I think that's probably that's textually pretty strong. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so I would like for it to be unclear. Okay. So I would like for him to step out and we aren't quite sure. Like did her argument rattle him and did he not kill her? We haven't heard a gunshot. Um did he kill her? Did he not kill her? I'd rather leave her argument hanging and we we've not seen her body. We don't know that she's dead. Um we're not sure whether her argument landed with this guy or whether she, she defeated him. We don't know whether she defeated him. Oh, and so I'd rather him not look at the bottom of his shoes and cue that. And okay. then as he's hit by the car uh, and the boys are coming to him, like, which is another great little thing. It's children come to this great evil. Like the, this great evil needs the assistance, the, the assistance of children in this moment. I, I would just love to get, sirens up so there's just more of a sense of he's done and he's done Hmm. now you know have have things coming right there and then jump back to brolin i would at least um people as talented as the coen brothers i would love to see them play out that scene even if he ends up dead yeah i would just yeah he ends up dead but yeah i would love to see them play out that scene i'd love to see brolin play out the character realizing like i'd love to see brolin's realization and recognition mm. like <laughs> nate wants the finger in the wound yeah <laughs> I, that, that i want i want to see brolin process the the realization whatever you want the audience to discover like the audience to learn from that scene from the from the fact that brolin's character is failing and coming up dead i would like to see brolin's character learn that first Got in a, like in that in that moment in that flash anyway at least to have shot it and seen it as an alternate scene i, w- I would love to like side by side cool compare so anyway yeah. it's one of, it's one of the best it's out it's up there yeah um and you uh just to be clear you showed this to your 12 year old filtered right was that the one you i think you mentioned that um, during family movie night episode that did you guys i think i've i've 
there's a chance that I've shown this to a 12 year old unfiltered. Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember what's in there. There's of not a, language. There's, I think. So I think there's some language that we would have pulled, um, and she would have uh, just sort of done the look away. Yeah, you know, sort of like, you know, when he's strangling a guy early. There, there yeah. would have been. There would be. There are scenes that I would not want her to fully experience. Yeah. Um, but her tolerance, you know, with me, like with with me and processing with, yeah. this. There's not a, it's, there's language I would want out. I think the Woody Harrelson character in some other places, I think it was filtered, um, f filtered for language yeah. primarily. And I think I dialed down some of the, uh, the, the stronger, spicier killing. Yeah. Um, but man, this really makes me want to just go watch it right now. It's, it is, <laughs> I know me too. <laughs> it's a fantastic film. Um, my daughters are doing a movie, like a, like a movie club with their college age cousins and, they haven't had time to do a lot of discussion through a lot of things, but they've been chipping away through some of the movies we've discussed and um, Children of Men and Don't Look Up and yeah and other things and realizing the discovery that movies are uh, meals, rightly understood, and they are not uh, they're not candy. You know, it's like this is a lot of people just treat it like it's candy. And they, sure, they can be. A show can be that way. But that the, the process of encountering a, a story, a narrative that's complicated, that has a mix of flavors, that is not just um, happiness on your tongue. <laughs> you know, it's not, yeah. it's not just a Hershey's kiss. It's yeah. like, oh, actually, you liked this character and he's dead now and you need to think about this. And is Clive Owen dead at the end of Children of Men? And, you know, it's like there's you know, looking at this whole dystopian framework and, and everything else and don't look up what happens at the end of don't look up. And yeah, um, it's a discovery that like, there's a, there's actually a lot of depth of enjoyment when you start peeling away what this, you know, medium can accomplish, what it can do. Yeah. That's so fun. How much it can communicate. And it, it really is fun. It's really, and it's really fun to do with people who are doing it for the first time. Yeah. So doing it with teenagers next to you, brings back all these other movies yeah i've really enjoyed showing them things like the truman show and having them just like collectively spit it out you know and i, re I remember a lot of my college friends were far more affected by it and i think times oh, have changed I, I, I hate to say i like the movie yeah right <laughs> yeah but watching it again with them it's not it's not like i loved it but i found it to be one of those films that was very worth discussing it was oh, like good. we had a lot yeah. of conversations yeah. around it I remember uh, I'd seen it and argued with friends about it in college. Then in grad school, it was like, we're showing this in philosophy club. And then now with the nature of phones and privacy and social media and everything else and people voluntarily doing this to themselves, uh, it was really interesting to watch my kids react to it. Just be like, Bleh. Okay. Yeah. Just, and just kind of spit it out in reflexively hmm. and topics that I found interesting were actually incredibly dated and stale and not like it, it just, everything had changed. Hmm. Um, that's true. Which is interesting. We'll talk more about movies, but that's no, no country for old men is up there on my list. It's really up there. There we it, go. Yeah. Up there next to uh, the gospel road starring Johnny cash. Wow. I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of the worst movies ever made. Okay. One All of the right. worst Christian movies ever made. I just swallowed it. Okay. <laughs> and, it's, okay. and I do, I mean, I, it's Johnny Cash, so I find it hilarious and I love watching it because it's really funny. 
Okay. Uh, it's a blonde. It's one of those blonde Jesus movies. Mm, you know, okay. very, very blonde Aryan Jesus. And then cut to Johnny Cash on a rock with a Bible folded in half. And he would read passages. And mm. Then cut back to blonde Jesus. It's like, oh boy. Anyway, sorry. That was Not, just, that was distracting. That's a little extra. A that's little, a little extra. Little. On that note, we will end <laughs> SAS episode 84. Done. Peace. Hey, it's Brian Cole, and I recently got an email from one of our audio listeners who was saying, hey, I've already listened to both Anne of Green Gables books on Canon Plus, and I'm wondering where the rest of the series is. And I thought, you know what? I should tell people what's gotten onto Canon Plus recently in case they too, like me, have not yet listened to Anne of Green Gables. Uh, all I know about Anne is that I think she has red hair and I think she broke a writing slate over a boy's head. Those are the two things I know. Anyways, I wanted to encourage you to take a gander at our children's section, our classic section, and our writing section because that's, those are kind of three things that overlap with what the soul food crowd is into. Uh, especially we've been listening to the children's section with all its E. Nesbitt stuff, Five Children and It, Secret of the Amulet, The Treasure Seekers, funny stuff, great narrator and fun to listen to. Of course, if you're looking for good narrators, you also do need to check out Cannonball's own Brave Ollie Possum. If you don't have the Glorch voice as a bedtime routine, I don't know what you're doing. And if you aren't tired of my voice, you can listen to My Father's Dragon, which for some reason I went ahead and read. I think because I'm fond of it. Now you too can listen to me struggle to separate all of the different creatures' voices and keep them straight. Yeah, that's not the best pitch for My Father's Dragon, but it is a good story, which is, I believe, becoming a Netflix series soon. Last thing you might want to check out is the classic series, the Old Mother West Wind series by Thornton Burgess, a bunch of modern-day Aesop fables with tragedy, success, and adventure, all about animals in a wood. Anyways, there's a lot of stuff on there that's just kind of scratched the surface, but you SASF listeners can try it out for a month on Canon Plus for the low, low price of 99 cents with the code SASF99, S-A-S-F-99. All right, that's enough of me. Bye.